Thank you for joining us as we continue our current teaching series, Chasing the Wind, teachings from the book of Ecclesiastes. All right, good morning. It's great to be with you all. I'm Jesse. I'm on the teaching team here. And and like we just said, we're going to continue exploring our series, Chasing the Wind, seen through the lens of Solomon, who is considered a very wise man in Scripture in the Old Testament. And he authored the book of Ecclesiastes. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at different things that we pursue in this world and in this life. Things like money, things like fame, things like status and power. And what we're finding as we unpack these is these things really don't sustain us. We're finding out that these things are not what we can put our hope in and build our life on. That... that we need something more lasting, and we need something more eternal. And we're going to explore that in greater detail today as we look at chapter 9, continue chapter 9. And this is what Solomon says. He says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. And you might be thinking, how in the world does that happen? What would keep that from happening? Is it bad to be strong? Is it bad to be wise? Is it bad to be learned? No. Time and chance happen to them all. Unexpected things happen no matter how learned you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how prepared you are. Not that it's bad to be those things, but you need to be ready that difficulties are going to come, unexpected things are going to come. I think we've experienced that firsthand for the last couple of years, right? As we're finally getting able to take off masks and go in public and, you know, do these things. I mean, our lives were totally taken hostage just a couple of years ago. And Jesus talks about this in John 16. He says, okay, hold on, let me go back to, sorry. And, And here's what Solomon says. He says, moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. Difficult circumstances usually aren't scheduled. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Folks, we live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be difficulties. No matter how strong I am, no matter how prepared I am, no matter how educated I am, Those things are going to happen. And Jesus told his disciples, as he said, in this life, you will face many troubles. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is one of God's promises. In this life, we're going to face many troubles. It's sometimes a promise that we forget that we're going to face many troubles. But Jesus said, Be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. I've overcome the difficulties. I've overcome the circumstances. I've overcome the trials you're going to face. And his disciples experienced this firsthand. Because after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and they went into the Roman Empire proclaiming that he he was alive, there was hostility. There was persecution. They were being attacked. They were being thrown in prison. And each of Jesus' disciples were executed. They said, we're not, we don't care. We don't care. Jesus is alive, and he's greater than these challenges, and he's greater than these circumstances. Go 
and here's what Solomon continues. He says, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. So how does this happen? This city is under attack. This powerful king comes in, and this wise, poor man helps save and helps rescue this city. But once that's over, everybody kind of got back to their lives, got back to what they were doing, totally forgot about him. Because I don't know if they were really looking for wisdom. They were looking for wealth. They were looking for gratification. And once they, he didn't have that power and that influence, they're like, we'll just forget about him. We're moving on to our own lives. So what is real wisdom? Solomon wrote this in Proverbs. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the starting point. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So it's not having multiple degrees, reading tons of books, and it's good to have those things. But the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the honor, is the starting point of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One, getting to know Him, is understanding. And that's far greater than the knowledge that we can have in this world. Which asks, leads me to this question. How much greater is God's eternal wisdom compared to man's temporary earthly wisdom? The maker of heaven and earth, the God who sent his son to suffer for every sin and mistake that we have ever made and welcomed us into his family. How much greater is his wisdom compared to mine? No matter how educated I am, no matter how knowledgeable I am. And boy, I am so glad that's true. I'm so glad that his wisdom is far greater than mine. Unfortunately, a lot of us try to get God to conform to our image, our preferences, and we, we kind of want to limit his wisdom into our lives. Just keep yourself at a distance. And sometimes our education, our learning can become a barrier to that. Now, about 12, 13 years ago, when we first started Riverbend Community Church, I was leading the children's ministry. And it was just me, and usually it was about two or three kids. But it was a blessed time, okay? And what we would do is we would take one virtue a month and just explore it and unpack it. And the first virtue that we ever taught these kids was wisdom. And this is how we defined it. Wisdom is knowing what to do and doing it. Knowing what to do and doing it. So where do I go to find out what to do? Many of us and many people in this world kind of just go by to their feelings, kind of go to culture, 
kind of go to society to find out what to do. But, but real wisdom, if we said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that's getting to know him and following his guidance, following his direction. Solomon continues, says the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. We live in a day and age where everybody has a microphone. Everybody has a platform. Everybody has an opinion. And it, we kind of disguise that as wisdom and say, oh, my opinion, that's real wisdom. My feelings, that's wisdom. And we, we, we don't recognize that everybody's shouting. But, but Solomon says a quiet word from the wise is really to be heeded. He said one sinner destroys much, much good. We're seeing, unfortunately, a lot of pastors, Christian authors, Christian musicians who were initially putting their trust and full confidence in Jesus and what happened as they grew in status and as their churches grew, as their fame grew and their name grew, they got more focused with that and left the real wisdom of God and started conforming to the wisdom of this world. And it took their churches and their ministries with them. Now, what unfortunately happens is we allow our education and we allow our, what we perceive as our wisdom to deceive us. And, and God says in the book of Isaiah, says, your wisdom is knowledge and knowledge misleads you when you say, I am, there's nobody but me. There's nobody besides me. We, like we said, we don't recognize that no matter how much I know, God knows way more. And that's a good thing. We allow our earthly wisdom to deceive us. And we ignore God's wisdom. We see that at the beginning of time with Adam and Eve. The serpent tells, tells Eve, did God really say not to eat that fruit? I don't know, did God really say that? Well, hmm, he, he didn't really say that. I, I think I'll try this fruit. And this happens a lot in our culture. This even happens a lot in church culture. Did God really say that? Is this what God really wants me to do? And we let our feelings and our intellect get in the way of really God's wisdom. The wisdom of this world is built on feeling and emotion. And it's not built on truth. The wisdom of this world is always changing. What is wise today in 2022 wasn't wise in 1922, 1992, and it will probably be different in 2052. That wisdom of this world is always changing. Is this really what I want to build my life on? How I'm feeling in the moment? 
Our feelings lie to us. And, and especially if we put our, our hope and trust in them, we're going to find out that, that, that God's trying to give us something better, but we're settling for less. So, this is what God says. In Jeremiah, he says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the riches, the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. Not know about me, to know me. Jesus has made a way for us to know God, his Father, and not just know him for his wisdom, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight declares the Lord. This isn't somebody just opinionating words of wisdom. This is somebody that made the first move, who made us, saved us, brought us back into his family by the suffering of his son. This isn't just somebody standing on a pedestal on a Facebook page or a TikTok video or a news channel. His wisdom is rooted in his love for us. We got any parents here? I'm the father of three. And it's a joy, but it's a challenge. Okay? These Velarde kids don't always listen to daddy. I don't know where they got that from, but I love our kids a lot. And I want what's best for them. So... You know, I want them to go to bed at a certain time. I want them to share. I want them to cooperate. You know, those things are going to help them in their life. But all they can think about is, whose turn is it on the tablet? You know, can I watch my show? Whatever. You know, but God's wisdom is rooted in his love for us. He's not trying to keep you from something. He's trying to give you a greater joy, a greater peace, a greater hope. Because the things, like we've said, that people put their hope and trust in, as we've looked at through this series, fail us. And don't really give us true purpose and lasting meaning. Jesus said, this is what real wisdom is. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Notice Jesus didn't say, the wise man built his house on his knowledge. The wise man built his house on his intellect. Not that it's bad to have those things. The wise man built his house on his education. He said, the wise man built his house on the rock who, because he heard my words and put them into practice, 
What were Jesus' words? Jesus' words were, I have come so that you would have life and have it to the full. Jesus' words is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I'm the only way for you to know God. That's knowing him. You need to come follow me. Put those words, hear them, but put them into action. And if we're building our house and our hope on money, power, possessions, status, what we're going to find out is those things, when storms of life come that we have already said are coming, they're not going to hold you. The house is going to come crashing down. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, heaven and earth are going to pass away. Your job's going to pass away. I'm going to pass away. Everything that I'm putting my hope in is going to pass away. But Jesus said, my word will never pass away. It's never going to pass away. So why would I not put my hope in his word? Not just what he did, what he said, but what he did. The wisdom of Jesus is the solid rock. So what is the wisdom of Jesus? The wisdom of Jesus is to accept what he did on the cross for us, his resurrection, and to begin following him. That's the wisdom of Jesus. The wisdom of this world is sinking sand. What will you build your life on? What am I going to build my life on? And if I really want to know the wisdom of Jesus, what I need to do is I need to spend time Reading the first four books of the New Testament. If you're not, if you're a new believer, if you're not a believer, let me encourage you to read the first four books of the New Testament. Eyewitness accounts of what Jesus did, what Jesus taught. That's where I can know the wisdom of Jesus. But I can also spend time in prayer. And praying, I know for a lot of us, can seem daunting and intimidating but you're praying to the one who loves you the most, who gave up the most to have you. And he welcomes us in our imperfection. I don't need to put on an act. James, Jesus' brother, said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. God is happy and excited to give his wisdom to us. I think sometimes people in their prayer life feel like, well, I haven't done this or this. I'm not qualified enough to pray. But but we can come just as we are in our faults, in our failures, in our difficulties, in our struggles, in our challenges. We don't have to put on an act. God's not going to go, When we ask for his wisdom, he's not going to go, you don't know what to do? What's wrong? Haven't you done your research? Haven't you read enough books? What's the matter? He's he's not going to do that. He gives to all generously. But a lot of times we are reluctant to ask for God's wisdom because oftentimes God's wisdom might direct me out of my comfort zone. I might need to forgive somebody. I might need to go the extra mile to serve somebody. I might be finding, I'm putting my hope and trust in my opinions. I'm putting my hope and trust in my politics. I'm putting my hope and trust in my possessions. 
He might be pointing me out of my comfort zone. But the awesome thing is when we step out of our comfort zone, the open embrace of Jesus and God our Father is waiting for us. But I can't do that if I'm just willing, if I'm not willing to step out. But he stepped out of his comfort zone first so that we could come the way we are. Now, Jesus' disciples began proclaiming his news during the Roman Empire. Powerful, one of the most powerful empires in the history of the world. For centuries, they were brutally expanding, taking over nations. You had emperors like Caesar and Nero and all sorts of people who had put their hope in their power, who had put their hope in their knowledge, who had put their hope in their intellect. And they would have these violent events at the Roman Colosseum. But you know what Jesus' disciples did? They began following his words. And what they began to do is they put their whole hope and trust in him. They began proclaiming who he was. They, they showed everybody they were serving people that weren't like them. They were praying nonstop. And as people saw the love of Jesus through his disciples, more and more people began joining their cause. More and more people became followers of Jesus. And they were welcoming people who were far from God. And, and the people throughout the Roman Empire were like, this is something I've got to have. This is something I really want. God wants me. And I can know God. This is far greater than the power of the empire. And they never would have thought this would have happened. But a few centuries later, the leaders, some of the leaders of the Roman Empire said, man, this is something I've got to have. We're seeing you put your whole wisdom, your hope and trust in following Jesus. This is something I want as a ruler, as a leader. The Roman Empire, the leaders of the Roman Empire began making Christianity the faith of the empire. And now today, if you go to the Roman Colosseum, look what's going to greet you. The cross, Jesus, cross is going to be there. And the Roman Empire is a footnote of history. And Jesus is alive and eager to help us. And there's no limit to what he can do through us and with us if we will trust him. So let me encourage you as we go forward exploring and recognizing that the wisdom of this world is changing, is fleeting, is shaky, that the wisdom of Jesus is the rock. Let me encourage you to spend time reading the gospels. Let me encourage you to take time to be with your father who loves you the most, ask for his wisdom. Listen. Take that time just to be quiet. I had, it took me a while to learn the, the value of just being quiet, being still. God, I want to hear your wisdom because you love me the most. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you love us more than anybody else. You are the source of all wisdom. 
Forgive us for putting our hope in our wisdom and the wisdom of this world. Help us to pursue knowing you more and hearing your voice. Help us not to be afraid to ask for your wisdom and to put our full confidence in following you, Jesus. And I pray for the people here who don't know you, that they would come to know you, Lord, and recognize that you are the solid rock that we stand on, and that's how we can have lasting hope, joy, and purpose. In Jesus' name.